Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. Ace Podcast. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, we look at Star Wars The Last Jedi as it debuts in theaters this weekend. Disney's crazy like a fox and how you can still fight the ending of net neutrality. All this and more as we reach our next stop the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. Do, 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 do. It's that time again. Time for Star Wars. I know, that was terrible. But it is time again. It is Star Wars weekend. The Last Jedi premieres this weekend in theaters all around the world. It's going to be another great time for Star Wars fans indeed. And who is here to help me break down what's going on in the world of Star Wars and a whole bunch more in pop culture than the man, the myth, the legend. He is the man behind Humanica Media, and you want to check out all their great stuff today on Humanica Media on Facebook and YouTube, it's Josh Peterson. What's going on, my friend? My uh, fellow Jedis call me quite Josh Jin. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, we, uh, yeah, we go around and get lightsaber duels with people and stuff. But yeah, not much, man. I am, uh, you know, I'm in a uh, different room today. You can see my Christmas tree back here. I know, no, unmade bed. What's up with that, man? I, I think I'm getting, you know, just like a tick or something that, that I can't get rid of because I can't I can't yes. handle the fact that you're we're not, you know, seeing your unmade bed. Can't see the Akira poster either. No, I, actually, I was, my brother wanted me to record a podcast for him, so I had to bring my desktop downstairs. Ah, okay. So, you know, man, just, just podcast, podcasting it up. Uh, well, still, it is great to have you here, and it actually looks a little bit holiday themish right there behind you and it's great to see that indeed and we're getting into the holidays ourselves end of year coming around we've been passing around some great holiday gift ideas and first off i want to thank salvador via from mario party wars and also as well michelle and diana from the wine women of words podcast you want to check out that podcast today on apple podcasts and also podcast.com and youtube they were so kind all three of them to stop by in the last two episodes 
to talk some great holiday gift ideas in the realm of board gaming and also books. So you definitely want to check out those two episodes indeed if you if you need some good ideas on some different things to get that loved one in your life or some good friends or what have you if they're really into board games or books as well so we definitely appreciate them taking the time to do so we hope to also as well by the end of the month get you some special looks at at our thoughts on the year in 2017 as far as pop culture is concerned i'm hoping to get some people on in regards to video games TV, movies, and also as well, take a look at pro wrestling. Uh, I'm hopeful to get Mike Crockett back on, trying to work that out from the wrestling podcast about nothing. Josh and I are going to be talking some movies. Rob McCallum, Josh, myself, Douglas Hoyabu of Retro City Games, we're all going to be talking the best video games of the year, and the TV ratings guy is going to be stopping by pretty soon as well, talking the best TV of 2017. So I can't wait for that. And I also want to take one moment in time to thank everyone out there that went ahead and voted in the 2017 Discover Pods Awards. We truly thank you if you voted for us, but we just thank you for participating and voting on the best podcasts are out there. Again, we're just truly humbled and honored to be considered one of the best 140 podcasts that were submitted of the over 4,000. So that's definitely a great thing indeed. And we're, we're truly psyched about being part of this. And even though voting has closed, we appreciate you voting, appreciate if you voted for us as well. And, and just thank you for taking the time and doing so. But right now, we gotta be talking some Star Wars. Let's talk some Star Wars. I know, really bad, I'm sorry. Again, had to do it. It is Last Jedi, Josh. You and I are going to be seeing it pretty much in the next few days as well. Your thoughts on what you're excited to see now that The Last Jedi has come out in theaters. It's expected to do a little bit less than The Force Awakens because I guess that nostalgia bringing back the Star Wars series, that really hyped up everybody as far as going to theaters that weekend. It's closer to 200 to 220 million projected in the United States and closer to 450 million worldwide. Those numbers are still strong, but is there a chance that The Force Awakens can have a run for its money this weekend with The Last Jedi? Yeah, I think so. I know we, we talked about this on the last show, sort of. I think that, you know, whereas Force Awakens had the anticipation of a Star Wars movie after, you know, all those years and the terrible prequels. And it was kind of feeding into a new generation of Star Wars fans and people wanting more Star Wars. And now they gave them that. But now we're getting into the nitty gritty of it. We're getting into the, the uh, some of the definitive questions that people have been asking and the answers that they need. Like, who are Rey's parents? The trailers. What is going on with Kylo Ren and Rey? Why, do they, why is Rey holding Kylo Ren's lightsaber? There's a lot of, like, they're doing a very good job marketing. And I think that now this is... This is a, they're officially into the Star Wars for a new generation. And because of that, because of all the new fans getting onto this, I think that it is going to give Force Awakens a run for its money. And from what I understand, the reviews are coming back very good. I'm not opening in the, any of them. I don't want to know anything about it until I see it. But uh, from what I understand, it's doing very well among critics. It is indeed. Right now, it stands as of what I was looking at, 85% on Metacritic and also 92% on Rotten Tomatoes as of right now. 
it, it that those are great numbers those are definitely some some very very strong numbers so that means there's a lot of love going out for star wars the last jedi definitely something that that gets the interest of fans out there in fact those numbers i believe are a little bit stronger than what came out for the force awakens i know that a lot of people are thinking at this point in time that it could be even better we'll have to wait and see and judge for ourselves I know I'm going to be able to give everyone my thoughts on it for the Monday episode, and I know Josh will be giving his pretty much down the road as well uh, when he gets to check it out. So definitely stay tuned. And then also in the Cosmic Crossfire coming up next week on the Friday edition, I'm going to have the stars of Nintendo Quest, director Rob McCallum, and also his, well, his best friend and star, Jay Bartlett, who is probably the most psycho Star Wars fan around, those two are going to talk their thoughts on The Last Jedi. They will not have shared any knowledge of their thoughts beforehand. So it's going to be something to listen to as well, and that's going to take place on this show in the Cosmic Crossfire coming up. So that's definitely something to look forward to indeed. But The Last Jedi, 200 to 220 million, very strong, but... Is it going to match up to The Force Awakens? $247 million worldwide that The Force Awakens earned. Since we've last talked on the Pop Culture Cosmos show, kind of wavered back and forth a bit on it. I think it's just going to come up a little bit short. I think that 220 number is realistic. Getting 250, which is pretty much what it would have to do, is a little bit out of the realm. I think maybe that would set up for the third episode nine if that comes out strong i think that one because it is the signature closing of this part of the trilogy i think that might be more apt to be able to hit those numbers than the last jedi Been thinking hard about it this one goes out with a whole lot of love from the fans i think that will just only build the anticipation for the final chapter of this trilogy even more so but it, you know, it could be wrong, and I hopefully I am. I hopefully it will reach those numbers. I I know a lot of people are, are looking forward to seeing it, and it's definitely a great time indeed. I got my Star Wars shirt going on. I'm I'm hoping to, that it will turn out well, and I've got my plans to see it this weekend. What are your thoughts out there on the Last Jedi? Do you think it can approach or surpass the numbers of the Force Awakens? We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, it's going to be a great episode indeed. We have got Rob McCallum standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire. He and I are going to talk Disney's major acquisition that took place this week, the purchase of Fox Films and so much more by Disney for $52.4 billion. We're going to talk about that in the Cosmic Crossfire. He's going to share his thoughts. I'm going to share my thoughts. And then also as well, after that, Josh and I are going to come back and Josh will get a chance to elaborate more on the Disney Fox acquisition and, and just go over how important this is to the landscape of pop culture and digital media going forward. And then also on the back end, Josh and I will be talking about the repeal by the FCC of net neutrality and what that could do to affect us and how we can still have a say in the future going forward to regain 
the power of net neutrality and tell the FCC exactly what's going on and what needs to be done as far as the future of the internet is concerned. We're going to talk about that on the back end. And also as well, Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. He's here to preview week 15 in the NFL. It's going to be a great weekend indeed because this is, for most leagues out there, the championship game. For all those out there that are looking to make those key moves, he and I are going to talk about that coming up later in the show as well. It's going to be a great episode indeed, but I've got my good friend Warren Fernandez. This is a world premiere right here for you. Some latest music that he's got going on today. You can find all of his great work on emojiengine.bandcamp.com. That's emojiengine.bandcamp.com. This is Las Vegas, and this is the PCC Multiverse.
Thanks for checking out the PCC. You know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And we're back with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire, a special edition of the Cosmic Crossfire, because something actually very special came up this week in pop culture. And, well, he's back again to discuss something really, really big and the ramifications of it. He is the man amid the legend behind Rob McCallum Films, here today to discuss the big mega deal between Disney purchasing Fox Films and a whole lot more. It's Rob McCallum. What's going on, my friend? Well, I just thought we should uh, take a few moments outside our regular scheduled recording time and talk about this landmark deal that will reshape the entire entertainment terrain, pop culture or otherwise, the way in which we get content forever changes as we see Disney merge with 21st Century Fox and acquire their film library and television assets. Of course, Fox still going to have Fox uh, broadcasting on their own. Uh, and their uh, Fox News. They, their Fox News, FS1, Big Ten Channel, all the, all the television side, except for FX, which is going to Disney, National Geographic, which is going to Disney. All the broadcast channels on Fox, though, are, are, are not part of the deal. So they're still on their own. But everything else comes to the house of mouse and forever changes the uh, cultural landscape. It ends a uh, media empire that has been building and building for years to come and is the culmination of, of even Fox television broadcasting from the 80s when nobody said it had a chance to start up and compete with ABC, NBC, and CBS. And then with little shows here and there like Married with Children and The Simpsons, now the empire has been dismantled and everything is going to Disney, uh, including, and I think maybe most importantly with where we look at the future landscape of everything, Fox's stake in Hulu, which was roughly about 30% now goes to Disney, who is looking to do their own streaming service. So we'll have to keep our eyes on the future and the, and the status of Hulu and how that might shift given uh, Disney's new power and muscle that they have to flex. Well, that's so much easier a transition on, on the surface if they want to go that route with Hulu and just transform it into their own channel that they were discussing and just rename it and repackage it if they wanted to go that route. But uh, the, I wanted to make sure everybody knows out there. I know speculation we had talked about before was about $60 billion. The actual price right now listed is $52.4 billion for the transaction that was made, correct? $52.4 billion. There is a lot of stock that is changing hands too. So some of that is, isn't just cash. It is stock considerations where executives from Fox will uh, become major stakeholders in Disney. I think it's rumored that they will have as much as 5% in Disney by the time that it's all said and done, the Murdoch group, and that some of those higher up Fox executives will be offered uh, Disney uh, positions as executives still overseeing the Fox portion of the assets and libraries. 
probably at least through the transitionary period, uh, which may or may not honor some of the deals that are in uh, flux right now, of course. And that's where we talk about all the stuff that we're excited about. And I also wanted to mention that along with that, the president of Disney, uh, Bob Iger, actually stays in his chair as chairman until at least 2021, which removes speculation, any speculation that he was going to go for the uh, president of the United States, which had been rumored as far as him being one of those leading candidates for that position. Yeah, he has extended his deal by two years, uh, going from 2019 to 2021, thanks to some quick math there. And uh, he will now oversee the biggest uh, media empire on the planet. And you could argue that his position at the helm of, of the Disney entity is bigger than a chair at the White House. He has more reach, more control, can affect more people with... Uh, another deal with the sake of content that's going to come out in, in that duration then he might be able to affect as the president. So it's not that surprising maybe if he's looking to continue to hang on to the, to the reins of power that he's deciding to stay with the Walt Disney Company. Uh, it's definitely uh, something very intriguing indeed. And there's going to be a lot of speculation going forward exactly what Disney will be doing with those Fox properties Obviously, on the surface, everybody just seems to be pointing towards the obvious, which is the bringing back home of many of the Marvel properties to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, that that's obviously a given in many ways, shape, or form, except for the Fantastic Four, which is still kind of tied up in limbo, because I think there are other rights holders to the Fantastic Four besides Fox, correct? Yeah, we talked about Constantine Films being the other uh, stakeholder in the Fantastic Four franchise. They had struck a deal with Marvel Entertainment, I believe, back in the day in 86, which is what led to the Roger Corman film that got produced in 94. They never saw the light of day. And then they teamed up with Fox in 97 or so, and Fox retained distribution rights in perpetuity in the same way that Fox had distribution rights for Star Wars Episode Four in perpetuity, even though they didn't produce it. Same thing here with this in Fantastic Four. Constantine Films uh, owned the production rights. They would maintain the ability to produce films, but Fox would maintain the ability to distribute them. Now, what that means going forward is both sides have to agree if another entry is going to come out there. So Constantine Films can produce as many Fantastic Four films as they want, but if Disney, now the, the rights holder of the distribution deal, doesn't want it to release, it doesn't ever have to be released. So... Inevitably, Constantine Films can, can produce it and hang on to the rights, but they'll just be spending money all the time to keep those rights valid, and it'll never get out there unless Disney wants it to get out there the right way. So you'll actually end up possibly seeing a deal going forward with Constantine Films to bring Fantastic Four at some point down the road back to Marvel as well. I would speculate that you would see that deal get ironed out if that is in the case. And now that a lot of that is just conjecture based on what we've been able to put together in the, in the most recent weeks about who owns what and to what degree fantastic four was named in the Disney press release as, as another Marvel entity coming back into the fold. But whether that means the full rights to produce and exploit or just the distribution rights was unclear. The bigger thing too, Fox had in, in perpetuity the distribution rights for the Star Wars films, episodes two through six in perpetuity. That, of course, comes back through Disney. Disney was able to release it because of a deal that they had already struck with Fox. 
when they uh, when they bought Lucasfilm, but Fox had the original distribution rights to Episode Four, we knew, and then had signed another deal with Lucasfilm uh, that would basically cover Episodes Two through Six. Uh, interestingly enough, and now those rights go back to Disney. I know, like I said, we touched on Marvel being that key entity in this acquisition, but there is so much more to to delve out and to weed through in this. But there are some major entities other than the Marvel prospects. So I ask you, Rob, with all that taken in, what is maybe one property you're leaning towards as far as being a another key component of this acquisition by Disney? Well, there are two big uh, acquisitions, uh, two cards that Disney can hold in their wallet now that I think are are pretty sizable to get their own slot, so to speak. And, and the first one would be The Simpsons. This is the longest-running animated show of all time. The streaming rights just went for millions of dollars when it came to FX uh, to, to get that deal signed when they're recording other, other places and other uh, venues. Disney now has that in their fold as they look to build a streaming library and as they're looking for that friendly, evergreen, renewable, uh, never-get-old TV kind of content for their streaming service, they can have The Simpsons alongside any of their own content. With, what, almost 30 seasons now of The Simpsons, that gives them a lot of episodes and, and exclusivity to put them exactly where they want them and, and a card that they can tell that nobody else will ever be able to touch. Well, the other one, of course, would be the Avatar franchise. Now, the only reason I mention this is because Disney is heavily invested in it on the theme park side with uh, Pandora Worlds of Avatar just opening up this year at, at Animal Kingdom. But we know that first film was a multi-billion dollar generating project and with four more set to come, Disney really positions themselves to rake in a lot of money. But it will be even equally interesting to see how much Disney maybe tightens the purse strings on, on what happens or what doesn't happen. I mean, Fox could maybe really dodge a bullet here and not have to foot the bill to this uh, unknown commodity in terms of it being a franchise and uh, save a lot of money that they had committed to with James Cameron. But that's the other nice thing right you bring an avatar as an asset you also get james cameron into the disney fold and now you got to start to wonder if avatar goes well with james cameron could we see james cameron do possibly a star wars film i think the relationships are there the the people are all in place and you never know what can happen now that everybody is getting basically paid from the same bank account well you and i discussed previously on a another episode of the cosmic crossfire that I still thought it was still, at least in the sequel, a billion-dollar franchise. So at least that, to me, is still on the table with Disney and Fox as far as being something that, in, in the short term, can still garner a great deal of money. Long term, like like both you and I agree, that it's still up in, very much up in the air. Still very much up in the air. But I still think that Avatar can be a great property. And also as well, we can't just consider Disney World or Disneyland when we're considering this acquisition. Representation by these Fox properties can take place all over the world and they can variate it how they please. Yeah, exactly. It's not just localized to North America. And as we further expand and, and see the dominance of international box office, you will see Disney continue to stoke those fires in China and in Japan with Tokyo Disney and the possibility of another Disney park uh, entering China to help basically propagate more ticket sales over there. 
it's all very possible. Now, the downside of all this is you get one massive studio that gets to dictate how much gets out there. And I think you're going to see less films reach the box office. You're going to see more demanding terms in order to exhibit these films, as we saw with Star Wars The Last Jedi and what uh, exhibitors had to go through in order to guarantee that that film played it on their uh, property. You're going to see a lot uh, other companies maybe get gobbled up or disband as a result, I think, right away. But Blue Sky Animation, which is known for uh, the film that's coming up, Ferdinand with John Cena. They had done the Ice Age films. Do they even have a place anymore, given that they were tied to Fox Animation and Sony to some degree, but mainly Fox Animation, knowing that Pixar and Disney Animation are, are part of that conglomerate. So what is their future and who might they have to partner up with if they want to survive, maybe not Universal, who does a lot of their work with Illumination so far. So look to see a lot of announcements like that and a lot of studio closures and company closures as a result of this too. This is not necessarily a good deal when you give that much power to very few people. I think it's going to be at least 10 years before they see the true measure of success or failure with this purchase. I think if this is something that when you're dealing with so much cash on hand or and also as well stocks, futures, things of that nature, you're talking about a long-term deal and a long-term goal and a long-term stretch out before this finally comes to fruition, whether or not you've actually made money on the deal or you haven't. So I think it's going to take at least a decade before we find out for sure 100% whether or not this deal made this week was actually a good one or not. I get your concern with what it does for the Hollywood network and entertainment as a whole and, and reduces the number of the opportunities on the surface. But I think new ones will grow from it and whether it's from independent companies being formed and created because of this deal or something being done by Disney to create new and other companies, I think that there will be opportunities had. It just it just will be a different landscape to work with than it was before. I think they're going to have to put out a lot of content to make this money back. It's not as simple as them putting out 52 films that do a billion dollars each. I think uh, profitability, those films have to do about a half a billion each, which means that they're probably going to, at the end of the day, rake in about $300 million. So do the quick math. That looks like $150, $300 million grossing films that they're going to have to put out. And when you start breaking it down like that, you see the assets that they have. I think you can easily come up with 150 different assets that fill or check that category, whether it's Avatar 1, like 2 through 5 being four of them, The Simpsons being another one, their stake in Hulu being another one, other Marvel entities like X-Men taking you know two or three out of there. I think they'll make their money back. I think that 20 years is probably going to be closer, but you know, all they have is time left. And more interesting, what is Murdoch going to do now with Fox News and Fox Broadcasting Network? How is that going to affect deals like that going forward? He's going to have a lot of money coming in to spend on that. Is he going to try to get the Super Bowl rights from CBS now so that Fox can be like the ultimate sports network and even take a, a bit of the chip out of ESPN, which is, you know, a crown jewel in the Disney empires. Is this going to come back to bite Disney on that side of things with uh, Murdoch freeing things up and being able to really invest in Fox news and the sports side? We'll have to wait and see, but yeah, actually I think Disney will be a little bit cash strapped over the course of the next couple of years, but I think it will all pan itself out. And I, I agree with you, Rob, in the sense that, 10 years may be too soon, but I think we'll just, I think we'll be starting to get a, a clearer idea in a decade, but 
the actual formality as far as whether or not this will be a great deal. I think 20 years is also a safe bet as well to find that in that 10 to 20 year range, we can actually gauge exactly whether or not Disney and Fox did actually make a good deal and who actually won it out overall. Sounds good. Well, that's uh, that's just my take on it. I thought it was important that we would break our scheduled recording time and, and chime in on this as the news is fresh and hot and as people kind of understand what this is and uh, how this is going to affect things going forward. Absolutely, indeed. If you want to share your thoughts on the Disney Fox mega deal, please share your thoughts with us at Rob McCallum Films, Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, and Humanica Media on Facebook and Twitter as well. And we truly appreciate, Rob, you, you stepping back in on this major news to discuss thoughts on this mega deal. And we hopefully will we'll be able to get you on next week with with your good friend Jay and talking some Last Jedi and thoughts on the movie itself. I look forward to it. I do too as well. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for stepping into The Cosmic Crossfire. Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassman from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. Josh, I know you've got some great things going on with Humanican Media. So what is going on with Humanican Media? Well, Gerald, it's funny you mentioned that because right now I am currently uh, editing a little pop culture topic apocalypse crossover featuring uh, a certain Gerald Glassford of a certain pop culture show. Uh, this is, So right now you can listen to a brand new episode of What About This, which went up Monday night. You can listen to a new Super BS Gamescast, which went up yesterday night. And uh, tonight you can check out a new episode of topic apocalypse and a new episode of Inside Sports. Awesome indeed. There is a lot of stuff going on there, so check it out on the Inside Sports, Topicocalypse, Super BS Gamescast, all of their channels on Podbean, on also as well the Humanica Media YouTube page. And for more information, check out all their great info on their pages or the Humanica Media page on Facebook as well. If you really love Apple Podcasts and you've got the Pop Culture Cosmos channel on there as well, subscribe to all of them and you're all set indeed. For us, if you can't get us for any reason on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel on iTunes, you can still get us on a number of great channels, including Podchaser, the Tangibound Network, the ESO Network, Gunna Geek Network, and so many others as well. We're on over a dozen different podcasting outlets, and we truly appreciate you listening to us on any one of them. So definitely thank you so much for listening indeed. Well, Josh, you you heard our thoughts uh, in, in regards to Rob and I going back and forth on the Disney Fox acquisition. He was not in love with it because of what it sets as a precedent going forward for artists within that realm. Because as, as someone who creates movies for a living and documentaries, he thinks it will definitely affect the player base that is out there because of the shrinking of one major studio, myself, 
I think it's better for the consumer out there because they're going to be able to get a better packaged option when Disney comes up with their streaming service and also as well improvements with the FX channels going forward. So I ask you, Josh, you've heard all what's going down between our thoughts and also you've read up on exactly what the Disney Fox acquisition is going to be all about. So what are your thoughts on Disney buying a lot of these Fox assets? I see both sides of the argument. I see where Rob's coming from and I see where you're coming from. I see where Rob's coming from because, you know, it, it basically Disney, you know, there's maybe a few major studios out there, Warner Brothers among them, who are still operating outside the realms of Disney. But, um, you know, Disney is getting close to monopolizing the film industry in terms of blockbusters. And then we have on the opposite side of that, we have, you know, for the fans, it's actually a really, I think it's a really good thing, I guess, because, you know, not only are we seeing our, you know, the X-Men and the Fantastic Four being reincorporated into the Marvel Universe, hopefully if that's what they decide to do or how they're going to merge it, I don't know, maybe they're going to do a Secret Wars type thing, but it's good in, in that aspect. But what I'm curious about now is what are they going to do with like some of the more uh, hard R-rated properties that Fox is known for. So, you know, it, it just blows my mind to think right now that Disney owns the Alien and Predator franchise. And what are they going to do with them? Like, are, are they dead? Are we going to see any more? I know the, the Predator movie's still coming out, but, you know, as far as Ridley Scott's Aliens, where where's that going to go? Are we going to get to see it, or is it just going to be buried? Or, you know, what's going to happen with that? The, the big question is, how is this going to affect the film industry as a whole? Because I know the Trade Commission were actually trying to block this deal because of the implications that, and it could give Disney a monopoly over the industry. So, um, you know, that that's the big question here is now that Disney has, Disney has so much money to pump into these things, are we going to see a slowdown in production of big blockbusters? Or are we going to just keep on seeing more come out at a faster rate? And how is this going to affect the indie maker? Like, like Rob or, uh, you know, some of the, the smaller companies like Gra Gravitas uh, Ventures or, you know, these the A24 film house. Uh, how is this going to affect them? And are, because we were kind of mo going into an indie movement here for a little bit. So now what is going to happen? That's the big question. Well, still, you still have that with A24. You still have The Shape of Water being bandied about as a potential a film of the year candidate, Lady Bird. Also, as well, the disaster artists. You have a lot of art house films that are still getting some marquee interest. The disaster artists did great in last week's box office, and it poised to do okay as well this weekend. So definitely, uh, there are some signs there that the independent film could benefit by this because it could get more spotlighted chances and opportunities. I think this acquisition will slow down a little bit the number of box office opportunities and releases going forward in the next 5, 10, 15 years. I don't have a problem with that personally because of the fact that so many films on a AAA box office level have failed in, in peak box office and even non-peak box office times where they're still coming out one after another, after another, after another. They're all competing against each other and they're all dissecting the marketplace and breaking it down too much and, and people are not going to see these films. I think it does create less competition in the marketplace as far as big budget opportunities. 
but it also creates more opportunities for the little guy and independent filmmakers and also independent art houses and independent film production companies to take that opportunity and pick up the slack with some more films of their own. So definitely uh, something for the consumer as far as at least in the short term, as far as what they're asking for, Marvel properties coming back home to Marvel, that's a good thing and that's a win for the consumer and hopefully going forward the next 10, 15, 20 years as Disney tries to recoup its money from this acquisition that it will still have the consumer in mind as well. What are your thoughts on the Fox acquisition by Disney? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, Humanica Media, PopCultureCosmos, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. When we come back, it's Tyler Baker previewing for what many will be the championship game in their fantasy football league because it's week 15 in the NFL. And we'll have a preview with Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast when we come back. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. we're back it's that time tell you what you heard the whistle it is fantasy football season for just a little bit longer yeah it is for most leagues out there the championship game between the top two teams and i'll tell you what it wouldn't happen at a better time week 15 in the nfl it really looks like it's going to be well for for a lot of teams out there some pretty pretty interesting going and who is here to break it down with me? None other than the man, the myth, the legend behind the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast Facebook group. You got to check it out today, especially if you are still in the hunt to get that title. So you can ask those questions about those lineup changes. You can get the best lineup for you. You can get the best advice on what to do for your fantasy football team this weekend. It is my good friend. He is, again, from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. It's Tyler Baker. What's going on, man? Man, it's good to see you again, brother. And man, it's going to be a good week in the NFL this week. It but is. I lost. I lost in the semifinals, man. My season's over. Fantasy uh, football is a heartbreaker, man. And you work so hard through the season, and you get to the playoffs, and, and there's no second chances. There's no. That's just fantasy football, man. I'm sorry to hear about your loss. I lost in a couple of leagues, so I got I got knocked out of two leagues last week. That kind of hurt. As the dandy Don Meredith would say, the party's over. <laughs> I've been singing a lot on this episode. I don't know why. But again, it's going to be a great weekend in the NFL. Oh, week yeah. 15 for most leagues, not all, because you know some leagues actually do play it out for yeah. 16 weeks. But yeah. for most leagues, this is it, the championship game. 
Tyler, we got to break it down real quickly here. What are some of the things you're looking to tell fantasy football owners who are still in the hunt this weekend? Well, some of the teams that got us here have changed dramatically. I know for me, I've been riding Zach Ertz all season long. I had him in a bunch of leagues. Well, now you have an Eagles team without Carson Wentz, and that's a big deal. Now, it still remains to be seen who Nick Foles has kind of that connection with. That remains to be seen, but this is still a good Philadelphia team, still has a good running game, still has a good offensive line. Nick Foles is going to have time. Nick Foles is familiar with Philadelphia. He's played there for quite a while, but he's not Carson Wentz. You know, if you had a, a Zach Ertz or an Ashawn Jeffrey or some of these other guys, you're a little nervous going into this week. On the other side of the coin, looks like Aaron Rodgers is, is going to be back this weekend. So for all of you guys that are still in it and you've been holding on to Jordy Nelson and you couldn't play him for the last month and a half, he's just been terrible. Now's the time where you might be able to play him. And I think Devontae Adams... I think his value takes a little bit of a hit, but Aaron Rodgers is back. So you have a Green Bay Packers team. They have to win out, but getting a guy like that back, that entire team is going to be ready for this weekend. And this weekend they have the Carolina Panthers. Now the Carolina Panthers, I don't think are as good as their nine and four record, but they are capable of being a really good team. So Green Bay will go into Carolina this weekend. That's going to be a great game. A couple other really good games, the Rams and the Seahawks are going to be playing in Seattle. That is going to really set the NFC West as to who's, who's, who's going to take that division. And we get two Saturday games this weekend. So you don't even have to wait till Sunday to watch football. There are two Saturday games, so it's going to be a good weekend in the NFL. Tyler, I know you're going to be working like crazy this weekend, not only on the fantasy football end, but obviously everything else as well. But yeah. I wish you a tremendous weekend and everybody out there who is still involved in their fantasy football championship either this week or next week. And we'll come back next week and, and mm -hmm. give some thoughts as well. Uh, we wish you all the best of luck out there in your fantasy football league, if it's the championship game or not. Just have a great weekend. Enjoy the football games. And to you, Tyler, all the best to you. And I'll uh, see you on Sunday. And to recap everything going on in week 15 in the NFL. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. Good luck, everybody. If you made it this far, pat yourself on the back. It, winning in fantasy football, it doesn't just happen. It's not easy. If you made it this far, pat yourself on the back, sit back, take a breath, just make the best decisions you can. Couldn't quite put that hand on my back because I just didn't quite cut the mustard for, <laughs> for this season in the end of, in the fantasy football. But you made it to it, the playoffs. Well, and I want to thank you for your help and guidance and also everyone else in the fantasy football pater podcast facebook group that gave me advice you carried me all the way to the playoffs like you said but just quite couldn't get it done maybe next year we'll i'll get you there next see. year i'll get there you there you go there you go yeah. we'll have to start a league up and see what see what happens so. hey there you go that there you go like indeed. all right indeed but uh, <laughs> We'll talk about that sometime next year, definitely going forward. Cool. But for everybody out there in fantasy football in week 15, wish you all the best from myself and also my good friend, Tyler Baker, who will be back on the Monday show recapping another great weekend in the NFL. Tyler, it's been great having you on this episode of 
the PCC Multiverse. Hey, it's Rick and Sherry from the Life in a Kilt podcast. If you are a kilt wearer, a kilt lover, or simply like to gawk, come hang out with us every week on Life in a Kilt podcast. We discuss kilt life, regular life, and everything in between and underneath. We've got humor, interviews, sketch comedy, pop culture, beer reviews, even indie music. And we discuss it each week in a way that only we can. Well, only the way I can. Oh, hush. I discuss it so much better than Whatever. You. Anyway, discover the joys of kilt life without ever leaving the comfort of your own headphones. Kilts aren't required, but if you've got one, feel free to buckle up. That's the Life in a Kilt podcast with Rick and Sherry every week on the ESO Network. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford, and we're just truly thankful that you got a chance to check out the show today. want to give props and thanks so much to Rob McCallum and also as well Tyler Baker stopping by. And of course, my good friend Josh Peterson from Humanica Media for stopping by as well to sharing his thoughts on The Last Jedi and also as well on the Disney acquisition of a lot of Fox properties. So some great thoughts indeed were shared on this episode, but it's not all done yet because recently this week, the FCC has decided to repeal the law in regards to net neutrality for those that are not as familiar with that, net neutrality was was basically the laws that were set to help keep the internet one basic concept, one basic free open source material as far as people accessing it and whatnot and being charged one basic price for accessing it all. And looks like at this point in time with the FCC repealing it, that those things are going to go by and more corporate interests are going to be able to go in and charge you for various things that you're doing, downloading, uploading, streaming. Podcasting could be entirely different going forward. Podcasting could be too costly for a lot of entities out there. Streaming could be a lot of costly for a lot of individuals that are so used to streaming now that have cut the cord in the past. There's a lot of variants. There's a lot of things that it could be thrown out there if this ending of net neutrality takes place. Josh, what are your thoughts on net neutrality? Would you have liked to have kept it? Or are you glad to see it finally come to a point where the FCC said at this point, there's going to be no new net neutrality going forward? I'm for net neutrality. I know this is this has caused some tension with me and some people I know, but, uh, at the same time, like I don't, you know, I'm before net neutrality was introduced. I don't like, I don't remember that far back to know like what the cost of internet was, what I was paying for for services. But now, like I see, you know, I've been seeing a lot of mockups today of what this means. Like, you know, the, the big cable and internet companies are basically they get to decide how much, you know, you get to charge a separate fee for Netflix. Is it a separate fee for video games? Is it a separate fee for, uh, you know, downloading, uploading, whatever you want to do, and as a content creator, I'm, I'm broke constantly. So like any increase in dollar amount is going to be, uh, you know, I don't want to say detrimental, but it's going to be harmful to my ability to create things. So, um, you know, I'm, I, I like the idea of net neutrality. I like the idea of having one basic thing for everybody, but now it's, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Like I, from what I understand, nothing big like happened before with the internet, but like, you know, I'm seeing a lot of things that are scaring me. And I know a lot of, there's some other countries who have done that. And like, they now have bigger fees for uh, different things they want to do. And it's uh, people who make things, creators, like this is uncharted waters. So I'm curious to see what's going to happen. But uh, 
I don't know, man. What, what are your thoughts on this? Well, if you are out there and you wanted to pay more for your internet, God bless you because you got what you wanted. If you wanted the status quo and you just wanted to pay for one entity, when you go on, you do what you want to do, you take care of what you want to take care of, and you can go on back at any point in time if you just pay whatever basic fee to your internet provider, whether it's a cable company, whether it's a other ISP, what have you, that basic price to cover all the internet usage that you do, you and you wanted that part of it, it's a sad day because for me, I, I can tell you I'm extremely disappointed. It just came down to that, that greed from a corporate entity like this and it's something that the FCC, which is supposed to protect consumers, is actually working against consumers. And, and this was by far a majority of individuals wanted to keep net neutrality. I mean, this was not even a 50-50 thing. This was more like a 90-10 split as far as 90% of the American population wanting to keep net neutrality and the way they enjoy their internet the way it is. And it scares me too, as someone who is also a content creator, I may not be able to, in going forward in the future, provide content for my consumers that want to hear this show because of the fact it may become too costly. And, and that's very sad. And, and that, that disappoints me greatly. And just that prospect scares me to death as well. And being able to play video games, going online into a Star Wars Battlefront or a Call of Duty or playing online could cost you even more. Is that what you wanted? If that's what you wanted, that's what you got. If you wanted to go ahead and watch movies on Netflix or stream movies on whatever entity and you wanted to pay more for it, you got what you wanted. But if you didn't want that and you wanted to keep net neutrality, which I believe most of the, again, from what all reports are saying on right or the left, moderate or liberal, most of the internet, most of the people that are out there in America wanted to keep net neutrality. And if you wanted to still continue to support net neutrality, you can do that. You can go to your congressperson. You can go to your representative in the House. You can go to the representative of the Senate because they still have the power to go ahead and repeal this decision, this, this terrible decision by the FCC. And also, because a lot of states have already indicated that they're going to be suing the FCC because of this. And you can support those states that are doing so. But you, you got to show your support. You got to go ahead and call your congressperson, your person of the House, your representative of the Senate, whoever it is that you feel comfortable and tell them that you want net neutrality brought back and you want this porous decision by the FCC repealed. I've got two daughters that are still growing up in the world and access in the internet and they're just starting to be able to go around and access all the great things and all the positive things that are going on in the internet instead of just all the bad stuff that you know they know and they they can hear about or whatnot they try to go ahead and use it to as a learning tool they can go ahead and they're still trying to go ahead and use it as something that's educational for them and informative for them so that can help build better lives for them and by this decision if it costs too much to do those sorts of things you could be taking away that from my children as well and that makes me really really mad what kind of irks me about this is that this, this is a huge issue and it's not and as an issue that affects everybody, like our livelihoods, it should have been something that we were able to vote on. You look at it now and this has become, you know, all the people who are like 
who are against it, it's you ask them why, and it, it's it's like everything else. It drives me nuts. It's a matter of Republicans versus Democrats, and I can't stand it. I am. I'm going to give you a little preview of my next uh, topic on Topic Apocalypse. It's I no longer care about politics because it's just it's become such a crap show, and yeah, it just drives me nuts, man. This thing is kind of irking me. Well, well, when you get into that big of a majority of individuals that do not want this passed, that goes beyond the realm of Republicans, Democrats, moderates, and liberals. This is something that affects everyone. This is sending the wrong message to the people of America, and this is sending the wrong message to people who use the internet in a respectful fashion. And it's very disappointing, and it's very bad for consumers at large. What are your thoughts out there on net neutrality? We'd love to hear from you. I mean, we've, we've spoken out before. We, we'd love to hear your thoughts either which way. And if you do think opposite of what we think, we want to know why. If you've got a sound reason why you support the repeal of net neutrality, share us your thoughts. But on paper, this doesn't look good for the consumers. And we would love to hear from those individuals as well. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Humanica Media, Game Source, and Facebook and Twitter as well. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's hopefully will stay another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great this has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. All right, welcome back to the only podcast on the internet. We've been busy researching life and what it means. And guess what? We no clue. still have not fa- found out the answers because all we do is look at memes all day. What are memes, you ask? We don't know. But anyways. They are the gold of the internet. Yes. Yes, they are. I don't even know how you treasures, make them, Internet treasures. Um, welcome oh. back to another episode of Topic Topicocalypse, where four, sometimes more individuals sit around a table talking about what things they may they or so may used. not know anything about. If you like that, <laughs> you can catch the entire show on Patreon.com. How soon, Brian Kane? As soon as Josh wants to record it and put it up. Well, we're, we're, we're recording now. So as it's soon as Josh wants to put it up. As soon as I feel like putting it up. That's right. For only a dollar or several a month, if you're feeling generous. We don't currently actually have any people giving us money, so we'd greatly appreciate it. Get on that. it, people. You can listen to it. And Patreon with us, you know, is now so popular after their... Oh, uh, dude, yeah. Did you guys hear about that? No. no. They're taking more... Right, Gerald? They're taking more of a percentage from people? From the That's people correct. That, from so the if, you're, if you're on the lower tier as far as uh, contributing whatnot... Now it's less enticing for you to do so because more money is now being charged. So for individuals charging a dollar, I think two dollars, five dollars, whatnot, 
their their Patreon is going to take more money out of it or away from the actual people who are trying to benefit from it. So it almost makes it. Uh, I don't want to say it makes it relevant because every dollar counts to anybody who contributes to to the Patreon cause. So, but it just you know the company Patreon itself is going to take more money away from either the contributors or those who benefit from it. It's it's the patrons. The last I saw was so like if you donate a dollar. It's going to cost you, the patron, a dollar thirty-eight just to get the dollar. There. Just Wait, to get, and, so. and then the and then the Patreon, the people that are actually putting the shows or whatever out there, get ninety-five percent of that. So originally, I guess it was ninety-five. It was it would range. It was a weird range depending on how much you, you got and how many and the transaction fees and stuff like that. So now it's the the patrons, the consumer, if you will, actually get to uh, take the hit instead. And so support the, so support Topicocalypse today on GoFundMe. Yeah, yeah, but even uh, sites like Podbean now you can do they host video podcasts and you can actually charge people to watch them. So it basically operates the same way that Patreon did, but they don't take any money besides your monthly fees. We're gonna have to go on Twitch. For now, you should go on Twitch. For now, I mean, you see what happened to SoundCloud, and, and yeah, and especially we'll see where net neutrality goes because that could be a whole other bag of cats too. Yeah. Um, poor cats. All right. So, hey, guys, uh, we are going to be talking about – I. so I was watching – I've been trying to catch up on Star Wars because the new Star Wars is coming out. And Wait, what? I, There's a new one coming out? I would have never known. What? Disney bought Star Wars? Um, anyways, they had a – I don't because I don't remember a lot of them because I remember the, the prequel trilogy left kind of a bad taste in my mouth. So I didn't – like I watched it once and I didn't really watch it after that. So I've been going back and watching them again and episode one – Sure, whatever. It's working. Episode two was the most bearable of the three, I think. I don't know. Where do you what? guys stand on that? Episode two was the most bearable? Out of the first it, three, out of one, two, and three. Oh, out, no, I thought of, the first one was way more bearable because it didn't have Hayden Christian whining the whole movie. No, but, but you get but past the, the whining and there are some, no. some cool action sequences. Okay, yeah, yeah, when the clones come down for the first time, that's pretty cool. I feel like the second one, I would agree with you, Josh, because it moves the story the most forward. Right of those original, the prequel trilogy three. Because I think can, I think because the second one deals more with the investigative format, and as from that sense, uh, it it actually plays off a lot better, and actually is the movie of the three prequels that will actually endear itself the longest. That's why people love that one more. Well, I don't say love, but like that one more of the three prequels, which are pretty much in comparison, not even close to what the other three movies are as far as in the hearts of Star Wars fans. Now, Gerald, do you feel, does that, is that your sentiment as well? Do you agree with what you just said, or do you like one of those three more than the others? Uh, Attack, Attack of the Clones, I think, is if you've got to sit me down and watch a prequel, because I'm really not in love with the prequels either, I would say Attack of the Clones actually is far and away the best of the three. And that's not saying a whole lot, because even Attack of the Clones is... Yeah, I can't put Attack of Clones next to four, five, and six. No, but right. but like I think the first episode one was big for me because I grew up watching the original three and at home and stuff. But episode one was the first time I got to see a Star Wars movie on the big screen. Right. It was cool yeah. because it was fresh it and was, it was new yeah. to us. Yep. I saw that six times, four of those yeah. times with my grandpa. <laughs> yes, so yes like, I saw. Oh, I spent wow. a lot of time with the movies yeah. with my grandparents watching. Yeah, so them. I think there's a there's I think Justin for you there's like an emotional value attached to it because oh, you're bringing back sure. to that moment. But looking at just what's on the screen, regardless. Every time of I see a new trailer emotion. for any of the Star Wars movie, like for whether it was Force Awakens or the the, new, the newest one, the last uh, Jedi, last Jedi, uh, it, it, it it takes me back. It, you know. 
Well, anytime you're sitting in a theater and you see that the scroll go up the screen, like dun, I think it's mostly. I think what does it for me is the the soundtrack. Yeah, it gives mm-hmm. it gives me goosebumps every time I listen to it. The most underrated part of the entire Star Wars franchise yeah. is John Williams. John Williams the soundtrack. Yes, he was sorely missed in Rogue One. Well, that's uh, Michael Giacchino who did The Incredibles and did Up and stuff like that. And so he's Disney's kind of well, next it was, it was big a, guy. It was a great it's soundtrack, a but soundtrack. it wasn't it wasn't John Williams. It's not Star Wars. memorable. John Williams did Indiana Jones, E.T., yeah. Back to the Future, like all of these great hits that we know. John Williams is the reason, not the only reason, but one of the main reasons why we can associate Star Wars. Like that Star Wars instant. That's actually like my favorite part of going to Disneyland is sitting in Star Tours and hearing that music. Like it just, it gives me. Well, that and feeling like you're in it. Yeah. That used to blow my mind as a kid. Gerald, so you're from Las Vegas up there where the, uh, with lots of gambling and deserts and stuff. Indeed. How do you I've feel? I've been here since 95. I was formerly from... <laughs> You're formerly like, I from... Am not, I am so not native. All right, so how, how do you feel about Star Tours? Like, when was the last time that you came down here to check out the old Star Wars land? It was actually in 2017. So I can't Ooh, remember. Oh, and, and every time every time we go to Disneyland, because we go to Disneyland pretty much either every year or every other year, okay. uh, we actually have to go through Star Tours. It's just a must. Even though it's, it's been the same thing for now for quite some time, it's still a, a tremendous ride. Because like you said, you get that thrill, you get that rush of the Star Wars feeling. And for me, that's gone back all the way back. And since I'm an older viewer and whatnot, it goes for me back to the first time I saw an actual Star Wars in the theaters back in 1980 at the uh, the original the opening day for um, Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back. So for me, it it truly still means something special for you know to watch us and experience the Star Wars. And now it's great because I can experience with my own children who are uh, nine and twelve, which are really makes it uh, worth. It's like it's like a renewed experience with it's, that I can watch it with. Them. Right. Well, how do you how do you feel about them going from it's the same one every time, so now you get like multiples now. Isn't there and like they, four they, or they, five different ones? Well, there's a bunch now. I think there's like ten, oh, and wow. they, they keep That's adding more and more. From, from what I understand, they were trying to make the lines move faster, so they didn't have to keep reloading the video every time people were getting onto the. Oh, oh is that what it was? So right. Had, exactly. So it comes in from both sides. You're you're sent out to uh, like two sides of it now. And like I think ten lanes total for it. Uh, the one in Orlando as well. You know they just you know they they try and like you said they're trying to do the best they can to shuttle those people in and out. Even though there's still considerable, even with a fast pass, it's still a considerable amount of weight. Yeah. Do, do you guys? Uh, now we're, we're on, on this topic. topic so let's just uh, roll with it for a second. second. What do you do? You think there's going to be when Star Wars Land opens up in both uh, Anaheim and Florida? Do you think if they keep Star Tours in uh, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow land, land, you think there's, there's going to be a disconnect, disconnect between, between that and, and Star Wars Land? Do you think it's going to feel weird to people? No, I think it'll just give no. them. A, I think they'd be smart to do it that way because you get people texting. Across yeah, yeah, you encourage and, people to, to go to different places, and then they spend, spend more money, money on different types of food, food different, different souvenirs, stuff like that. Buzz Lightyear's Pizza Kitchen. Personally, I think they'll probably close Star Tours. Really? You think or so? They'll, or they'll move it in uh, and maybe uh, renew it in uh, the Star Wars land. They'll probably uh, make it something entirely, well, familiar but different. They'll, they'll make an all-new experience from it because, like I said, I mean, I I am not a regular consumer. I go there a year, uh, maybe every other year. But every time I go, it's been pretty much the same experience now for pretty much most of this century. 
Yeah, I have a pass. I go pretty Baller. frequently. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's still the fun. lowest tier wrong. pass. It's still a great time. And uh, like I said, I really enjoyed it again because I went with my daughters for the first time But still, this year. But still, at some point in time, Disney's going to say, okay, we've been doing this now. This, we've had this attraction for so many years. Right. At some point in time, maybe we don't, even though it, to me it would be great advertising for Star Wars Land, if you like this, go here. I have a feeling they're going to try and keep everything consistent in one area. Right, and separate the Tomorrowland rides, which are the rides of the future, from Star Wars. Because right now, that Star Tours is that merge of future, that, although it's a far, far away, long time ago. And if they yeah. buy Fox, they'll, they'll have to put it somewhere, right? All their yeah, stuff so. there. For, yeah, so... What a rod the old fox had on the distribution rights to Star Wars. <laughs> That's their own fault. <laughs> Despicable Me 3 ride there. So. No, no, I'm no, not. I'm like an X-Men ride. That's universal. Universal, yeah. universal, yeah. But Gerald, I wanted to ask you, so you talked about earlier the anticipation of the Star Wars ride, uh, of the Star Wars movie in the 80s when you went to go see that original. Do you feel as much buzz about the movies now nice. as you do, or as you did in the 80s? Um, I actually feel... Uh, it's like I said, for me personally, I got that vibe back from my daughters. I was kind of, you know, I, I was still affectionate towards the series. I still liked it. The prequels kind of bummed me out and kind of uh, distanced me distanced me from it uh, because of the way it was received and the way I saw it in the theaters, it was just there, kind of kind of let me down as a series. But Disney and, and Lucasfilm, they have done a great job of promoting the force awakens back two years ago they did a great job of creating that buzz and it did create that excitement for me again almost to the point where i was so excited for return of the jedi because i didn't have a clue really i had seen star wars on tv before i saw empire strikes back but even as a 11 year old kid i didn't know what's going on didn't have any clue when i was shuttled off by my uh sister's husband at the time and we went uh, to the first showing Got up at five o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning to go see it. Big long, mile long lines. Everything you remember, you know, that you've seen on on film from those right. old days, where you see the mile long lines and whatnot. And we got there on the first showing, and I still didn't have a clue it then until I actually went in and experienced it and saw the people screaming no because of the you know the big spoiler that was released and mm-hmm. and people cheering and and crying on the you know experiencing it in theaters. And it's just so funny because when you go today in 2015, 2016, 2017, you really don't get that kind of audience participation that you once did. But still, even with my girls there, they give me that renewed sense of of energy as far as an excitement for the film. And I'm actually looking forward to seeing The Last Jedi very soon. Do you think that it that has anything, like people's excitement towards the film has anything to do with now it's it's become sort of like Marvel films. It's a cultural or a societal, uh, you know, you need to see this. Everyone's so so that you can fit into conversations. Everyone needs to watch this so you know what what we're all talking about, what all the hype is about. Do you think it has anything to do with that? I think it does, and I think it also the fact that home video has taken a lot of the excitement out of of events like this because, like I said, in 1980 we didn't have anything like that as far as. Really, we didn't have VHS out. We didn't, you know, as far as DVDs, Blu-rays, anything like that. All this medium, cable TV, broadcast TV, it really wasn't out there yeah, as just much. Brands like, on rocks, right? That's what was going on back then. Pretty much, you know, strings and, and cans, and there you go. But <laughs> it, it was so much different then. So you that was a much more of an experience. 
now it's it's still very very fun to go to the theaters and i still see several movies a year but when it comes to the star wars experience it's not quite the same as when i was going back the way back when in the 80s but i'll tell you what it you know when you have younger audiences seeing it with you for the first time and their experience it you see it through their eyes and it becomes that much you know almost that special again okay so this is a good segue into the reason i wanted to talk about this is because so i've been going through the star wars like i mentioned earlier and i i get why it was cutting edge for its time but at the same time like it how do you guys think it holds up to today's like storytelling standards? Because I watch it and I'm like, and I think to myself, I'm like, this is good. This is cool. I see why people loved it back in the day and I love it. But if there was a trilogy of movies that I was going to marathon, I would, I probably wouldn't pick star Wars. What what do you guys, what sci-fi genre that has come out lately can compete? There are none. Like there's, that's what I'm saying. Sci-fi. Just, you had you had all these flop after flop of these sci-fi's trying to capture the same thing as Star Wars, but they can't. It just depends on your your choice of genre. Yeah, no, but I'm speaking with just speaking with sci-fi, sci-fi. What was the last sci-fi you, movie you to rival? Like, you mean like the Alien versus Predator or well, like, Freddy versus I mean. Jason? The other night I watched <laughs> Valerian and the City or yeah, the was, City of a Thousand of Planets or whatever. It was and it it was so beautiful. Yeah. What you, like okay? What did you think? I thought that it was a beautiful film, but it was very poorly written. Um, it was probably one of the best looking films outside of Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which I know you and I both loved. Uh, it was a very beautiful film, probably some of the best special effects I've seen this year outside of Blade Runner. Blade Runner, but yeah, once you get inside it and you try to deal with the story and you try to deal with the two main characters. That was just like dealing with cardboard, and it was unfortunate because it was try. They tried to just be a two hours of dry wit everywhere, and it just doesn't. It, it didn't hold the mustard, and it was a shame because if you got other actors in their place and maybe, like you said, better writing, it would have been so much better of an experience because the the movie itself was so beautiful to watch. Yeah, because it, 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 they they were trying to do I think what James Cameron was tr- is trying to do with Avatar, basically telling retelling the story of the genocide of the native americans and it's like while it was it was stunning to look at it just wasn't uh it was hard to keep me into the film you guys see it no what avatar valeria oh no valeria no, i didn't see valeria okay it was very um, hollow that's probably the best way i could say it yeah it's it very hollow but where, where do you guys st- where, like brian where do you stand on as far as franchise if you were to sit down and marathon a franchise like how do you think Star Wars holds up in terms of storytelling compared to, like, say, The Avengers or The Hobbit or and things well, like that? Well, here's my quick question, like, and I'm not being a smartass, but, like, what would you consider, like, the Twilight movies or, like, the Harry Potter movies? Like, <laughs> well, what genre would you consider that? That's, I think, let, let's cast or aside even mocking, genres. Even mocking look at, look at, so you know, looking the, at basically, like, yeah, anything the, that's fantasy that's not based games. in yeah. the real world is right. what I'm okay. considering. Yeah. It's not based in the world we live in today. Fiction. Anything yeah. fiction. Okay, so, if like, Hunger it, Games. Yes, if we keep it in that genre. When I judge a movie and, like, a franchise in general, I'm looking at three things. I'm looking at the story. I'm looking at how it looks and how it sounds. The soundtrack is so important to me, and that's where I think Star Wars is that best example because although it's a simple story, although, you you know, visually, you can follow it. Visually, it's great, and sound, it's perfect. I don't think there's a franchise that does all three of those things as in a beautiful, neatly done bow as Star Wars does, especially in today's visual effects that they can have. In the 80s, I can understand for that time period, those were great. 
Okay. And they're not three well, hours long. Well, I think, not, right. I think that the thing is a couple of years ago they did a poll and I think number one movie voted by the public was Empire Strikes Back was the number one movie of all time voted by today's public. Right. And I think there's a part of it too that it was the original kind of, pi- not the original, but one like the best yeah. version to that point right. space, of that. Space movie of the time. Space movie, but any space fiction balls. story is the best depiction of that. It was a story that everyone can follow, but complicated enough to keep you interested Visually impressive, Great, from a, one of the greatest plot twists you've ever yeah, heard. You know, you, you know by right, today's right. standards, <laughs> a hor- you know, by Game of Thrones standards, it's a horrible plot twist. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, besides that, I think Star Wars does kind of do it the best, and it does help that it's the original. It's the original kind of big multi-movie saga franchise deal. And yes, the prequel trilogy was garbage. Still had a great soundtrack. Story was yeah. full of holes, but visually looked pretty dang good. Yeah, yeah, for the time. It yeah, looked, for yeah. the time it looked good, and that's the same thing in the eighties. And you look at you know, the new ones. The new ones. Well, that's man. The, that's the thing is that the prequels. Yeah, I, I was excited for the prequels, but I think what got me so excited for the Force Awakens was that it felt more like the originals. There was more practical effects, not as much CGI, and it just felt. Like the real deal. It was a jumping on point. It's like so they were they were yeah. coming at it. it was fresh. It was new. It was it had a, a great director they and shot a great writing team. Yeah. Not digital, it was on and film. It was because mm-hmm. I'd always been of the mind oh, yeah, yeah, like right. what would Star Wars look like if it were filmed today? Take out like George Lucas and the bad uh CG and the annoying yeah, effects, yeah. Yeah, and what if you could give put Star Wars in the hands of a capable filmmaker, what would it look like? And then JJ Abrams made uh, the Force Awakens, and I was completely blown away by yep. it. Yes, I would say the only which in- is a recycle of Star Wars, and pretty yes. much when you talk about this, right? right. Okay, so that's my next point. But what, what were you going to say? I was going to say the only thing I can think of in my mind that would rival Star Wars as far as what's the best kind of to allude to your question, Josh, kind of the best kind of saga that exists. Uh, I would say Lord of the Rings is maybe the only thing I think that can compete I with can it. Stand with it, yeah. yeah. Another great soundtrack. Yes. Visually impressive and a great story. Didn't it? But it's long. It's so it's long. long. <laughs> it's it? so long. John Williams did no. Harry Potter. John Williams did the first two Harry Potters, okay. I believe, and then yeah. it was passed along. Okay, But yeah. the, he owns the copyright for the main theme. Okay. Which is what everybody you know, associates with the movies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, I, like, if no, I... Was good. Good. That, was, that was... Yeah, guys, there's a saxophone player in here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Brian Adams. Yeah. Um, I'm Canadian. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Gerald, the, you said it. Star Wars, The Force Awakens is kind of a rehashing of, or a retelling of the original Star Wars trilogy. What do you think... How, how do, where do you think it's going to go? Because, obviously, if it wants to stay fresh, it has to kind of re tell a story that we haven't heard before. And I know that Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. I know that well Ryan Johnson, Rain John Ryan Johnson, Rain Johnson, whatever what's his name? Ryan Johnson, Johnson is talking R I A N. Yeah. Yeah. And his new trilogy is going to focus on a completely different story, but what what do you think that story is going to be? Is uh my question, because I don't want to see well, another like. Well, because uh, the original trilogy doesn't it didn't focus on character. Well, it had characters, but it didn't focus on character. Like, I mean, kinda. But it just seems like the the newer movies are focusing on like internal character struggle and more emotion. Right. Well, it's a space opera. That's what well, yeah, George yeah. Lucas intended it to be. But it, it's more like the the big arc of the story is like an oppressive uh, entity in the galaxy. But what I would like to see is something that 
threatens all of humankind, not just the evil people, but something that, like... That's, that's where Disney screwed up, because they got rid of all that when they made the books non-canon. Yeah, which, that's, yeah. How, that's, that's where they had it. So, yeah. Here's where I think we could still get a big twist, because the first one... It's the same old story. It's kind of a retelling, but we can get the, the ultimate twist in this next one. Do you, and the but third do you think one that is they really that, that new story. You think story. they did that rehash because, like Josh said, it's a great jumping on point for people who have never seen Star Wars because it's a rehash of the original? I think so. Because to me, it feels. But you also got to remember the 1977 version, they, you know, George Lucas was hoping to make successive movies in the series, but he wasn't guaranteed at all. So he had to make an all confined one single movie as far as that you know that the original star wars had to have a pretty much a a beginning and an end when it comes to rian johnson he's given carte blanche as far as how he wants to do his trilogy so he can have something that plays out over a, a, a you know much broader episodic venture like 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 uh, the originals never had like cliffhangers no, no, because they wasn't, weren't sure exactly if they were going to be able yeah. to finish them out. Well, from what I understand, uh, the original draft of Star Wars, George Lucas actually wrote all three movies into one movie. There actually was a, there, he actually wrote a different version of the second movie. He, they, the first one was its own movie, and then he didn't decide, he wrote a, a, the second movie, but then changed it all because in the second movie, it, actually in the, in the whole original story, that Luke and Leia were never related. Okay. And then Luke actually ends up with Leia. But then they had to change everything around Cause you, when he rewrote for Empire Strikes Back. You can... So I've had it's read called, It's called about The that. Lost Episode. You can... Like, I know either... It was either Marvel or Dark Horse released the original vision of George Lucas in comic book form. I, and you can read it right now. I don't remember who... I think it was published like two, two or three years back. I don't know. But it had like the original, his original ideas were kind of. But I do know that there was a there was a completely different script for the second movie than Empire Strikes Back. Right, right. So I don't know where where. So with, I would say with Rian Johnson giving sort of like, he, you're saying he's got this unlimited ability to tell this episodic tale. Do you think that's going to lead to? kind of Disney stepping in and saying, let's make as many movies as possible to make as much money as possible. And is that going to ruin the integrity that the original trilogy had because he had an end line, he had a finish line he had to hit. So with there being, not to say there's no finish line in sight, and I'm sure they've worked on it, but to say, oh, instead of three movies to tell the story, you have seven. Like, is just because we're going to put out a mass amount of content and Disney's going to want a movie every other year, every third year, do you think that's going to ruin and kind of compromise what made the original series so great? I don't, Gerald, what do, you, what do you think, man? Do you think it's going to kind of... I've told you on our show, the Pop Culture Cosmos show, that, that you, you know, I'm hoping that there'll be different universes where Rian Johnson you know, has something on a different end of the galaxy and maybe just sprinkle in some familiar faces from time to time. But I know you were voting for Jar Jar Banks, but we won't go there. <laughs> but um, also as well, I'm still hopeful that the Skywalker saga will not end just with episode nine and that, you know, maybe take some time to gestate and let Rian Johnson's stuff go through for a little bit, but return to that with an episode 10 and an episode 11 at some point in time down the road, because I've invested so much of my life as far as with the Star Wars saga, I'd like to see that continue because it still gets on. Yeah, as you know, everybody's excited for The Last Jedi. Obviously, you and I talked about the box office numbers, what it's expected to hit. There's still a satiating market for the Skywalker saga to continue even past episode nine. 
Well, do you think that, that they're going to do a better, a good job of phasing out the original characters for the new faces and then <clears throat> kind of... Yeah, kind of flashback to the original stuff instead of having like this, like the older actors in the newer movies. That they're going to try to transition. Like, how well is that transition going to be to the new, like, like you know, Ray and Finn and all these new people? I mean, yeah, you still have you you had Han Solo and spoiler alert. And oh, uh, (laughs) wait, what? I haven't seen it yet. What happened? Boo! I I haven't seen the movie yet. I've said said to Josh, uh, Kathleen Kennedy, head of Lucasfilm, had said that she wanted Ray and Finn. Uh, and Poe Dameron to extend the life of the Star Wars saga on their end for some years to come beyond Episode Nine, but then recently Daisy Ridley, who plays Ray, says, "Okay, I'm done. I'm out of here after Episode Nine. So you've got that contradiction right there, which which makes it totally unclear the status of the Skywalker saga going I, forward. I heard her say that she t- that was taken out. She said that that was taken out of context. She wanted to just take a break and do other projects. Other than Star Wars, it, it's hard to know. Like these, they keep so many things under wraps when it comes to Star well, it's Wars. Like, and... It's like Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford never signed. Harrison Ford was the only original cast member not to sign on for three films because he wasn't sure if he wanted to do he, all of them. I think he always. That's hit. why they froze him in Carbonite hit. in the in the second he, movie. He wanted to die in Empire Strikes Back, if yes. I remember correctly. But um, so Gerald, like, where where do you think the story? will go do you think that because i know we talked about this before if walking dead has proven anything it's that people do get tired of pop culture like iconic pop culture phenomenons so do you think that star wars is in any danger of this happening not at least now unless they come out with a total turkey uh as far as uh, episode nine is concerned because by all inferences episode eight the early buzz on it is that episode eight is a well-done movie. If episode eight had been anything less than episode seven, because episode seven is like, eh, it's a rehash of Star Wars. Not, you know, it's not great. It's great for people to get into, but for people who have been with the franchise for a long time, it's like, eh, I've seen better. Then you started going down. If it heads the way of the prequels, then you're then you're in trouble. But as long as it continues on a uh, the same level or goes even further, and it looks like the Last Jedi will do that, if even Episode Nine is close to that, I can see this. Like I said, the Skywalker saga should continue at some point in time down the road. Not necessarily two years after that, but at least it shouldn't be just cut off. And there you go. I feel like Star Wars fans are the most critical. Yeah. Of yeah. any. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's true. That's and probably that, why George Lucas didn't want to make anymore. That's right, why the they, Big Bang Theory. I mean, they. <laughs> well, that and $4 billion. That's you. <laughs> they just, they have no problem ripping things apart, saying it's garbage. And the general, you know, population will still go see it. But there's that, that hardcore group of fans are so critical. Well, I think hardcore fans for any franchise, they're never happy. They'll never be happy. And you can't cater to them. You can't cater to that small group of people. Because if you make the movie they want, it'd be horrible. Yeah, no one, no, one, no one but them would go yeah, see it. It's a very niche uh, type thing. Well, like let, me, who, let me ask you this. If you were a hard, let's just think of you were a hardcore Star Trek fan, and you've been one from the very beginning if you saw the original series, and you've seen how that gestated uh, as far as through syndication and became something worth, worthwhile. And then you see Star Trek, a uh, Star Wars come along and totally trounce what Star Trek is doing. And now you've had to sit for the past 30 years and see Star Wars capitalize and, and Star Trek, even though it was rebooted and very nicely, still never reached, you know, come close to what Star Wars has done popularity wise. 
A lot of hipsters are Star Trek fans. I had someone. I had someone describe it one time as that Star Wars is Top Gun versus Star Trek's uh, Hunt for Red October. <laughs> I was going to. I was going to say Hot Shots. <laughs> I was thinking Hot Shots. Too. <laughs> uh, so I know a lot of people who are strictly Star Trek only. I hate you know Star Wars, but that's like they're taking identity and what they enjoy. Right. That's a bigger yeah. problem with them. That's a topic for another day, but. Right. You know. Well, they both. You're able. You should be able to enjoy both and understand yeah. that what you liked first maybe isn't the most popular thing, but that shouldn't take away how much you enjoy it. They both came out in a time when the the science fiction space genre was kind of skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at all the shows on uh, Sci-Fi, Stargate, and uh, you know Star Trek, and there's a few others I'm sure. Sharknado. Firefly. Sharknado. Firefly. Yeah, Firefly. There you go. Um, so that kind of segues into the last part of this uh, little segment here. Do you think that had Star Wars come out uh, today, do you think that it would be as popular as it was back then? I could tell you no. Uh, I mean, th- this is something that's taken over 40 years to, well, yeah, a little over 40 years to to become and grow into a pop culture icon. I mean, pop culture pretty much has been founded based off of, of you know, the, the fandom that Star Wars has created. So I don't see if, if it came out today, it would be considered a great, you know, pretty good movie, but it would never reach the, the lofty status that it is now. Yeah, because it basically was. It was a jumping point for that. So it's like you wouldn't have anything to, like, so based off this of genre off of, wouldn't be what it, what it is. is without yeah. it. So no one would be into the sci-fi per se, if, in my opinion, if Star Trek came out first or if anything after that, after Star Wars came out first. Like, I don't think that if, it was if Star Wars never came, if Star Wars never came out, I, don't th- I still don't think Star Trek could have got the traction. No, and that's, and that's the thing is, like, if, we, if it wouldn't have come out when it did, we wouldn't be where we're at today with it. That's yeah, true. that's right. Because so, Paramount, Paramount wanted something alternative. That's why they rebooted the Star Trek uh, movies with that very horrible, long, very slow Star Trek <laughs> movie original. Was because that was trying to to offset Paramount, uh, trying to offset what 20th Century Fox did with with Star Wars. That's weird that J.J. Abrams did both of the uh, rebirths. <laughs> That just shows you that he's just a whore. Yeah. He's a whore <laughs> for money. He does DC and Marvel, so there you go. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, well, which you guys... Which one does he like the paycheck from more? Exactly, which <laughs> one do you get paid off of the royalties better? Well, what's his name? Um, oh, yeah, that guy. The guy that, uh, the guy that wrote Ultimate... Michael Bendis, just, he's been writing for Marvel for years now. He just went over to, to DC, so it's... I guess it's just wherever you feel creatively needed. Is the only loyalty is to paychecks, baby. You shouldn't pigeonhole yourself into one it's thing. It's all about the payola. Uh, that's, that's true. That's true. Um, all right, cool, man. Well, Gerald, hey, p- pitch us the, uh, the old Pop Culture Cosmos show here. What's, what's going on? Show us how it's done. There you go. Well, two times a week, uh, my good friend Josh Peterson and I, we co-host a show called the Pop Culture, Pop Culture Cosmos Show. You can find it on Apple Podcasts and over a dozen audio outlets. Uh, we did, you know, we've just been so fortunate. Uh, been nine months in a row, the number one show on the podcast radio network, and we just got nominated for a Discover Pods Awards. Okay. Oh, hey. 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 Thanks, Josh, for letting us know that. Yeah, you guys so, can vote now. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to listen to the latest and greatest trends and news in pop culture, twice a week on Mondays and Fridays. Just give us a listen. We truly appreciate it. Uh, we got a lot of great guests that come aboard, a lot of great regular contributors. And like I said, Josh and I 
always sharing our opinions on various things in movies, television, video games, sci-fi, and so much more in pop culture each and every time. All right. Wow. Well, so I got one. I got one last question though. What's up, Boo? What is what is which film has the best lightsaber duel? Ooh. And we'll see you next I, time. <laughs> you know, I, I as much as I do not like to say it, I would probably say it would would be uh, the number the first prequel, the one with um, where Darth, Darth Maul, Maul. McGregor, uh, Darth City, uh, you know, the Sith. And also as well with um, Qui Gon Jinn. That that was yep. a nice Liam that, Neeson. That I like that. That's, that one's probably to me my favorite. And the soundtrack for that, the Duel of the Fates. Yes. Music. Oh yes. 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 yes, yes. I get chills. That music, yes, that music was awesome. People call me crazy for saying this, but I think that episode three, the lightsaber fight between uh, Obi Wan and Anakin, it wasn't well scripted, but you're it, crazy. It was, crazy. It was fun. It was funny to watch. It just. It just maybe like you were supposed <laughs> to bring balance to the force. <laughs> I don't mind the General Grievous battle either. I d- yeah, per- personally, true. I like the Return of the Jedi, Luke versus Darth Vader. Yeah, it well that's classic, but it it had the disadvantage. But you, ever to the, you ever listen to the soundtrack to that? Yeah, fight? no, yeah. for sure. But it had the disadvantage of being uh, technologically behind. It's technologically modern. limited, but think how great it is with that limited technology. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If you read that, that, if you did, if you read, okay, look at Darth Vader in Rogue One. How awesome was that hallway scene? Can you imagine the Luke versus Darth Vader now with today's technology? That's true. I don't want to. I kind of want to keep that. You no, know, I do. I, yeah, no, I do. Yeah. But I'm saying that's how good it was. Yeah, right. I, I feel. You guys mentioned it best because Skywalker sound. I mean, that's how Skywalker sound was created because of all the great sound effects and the great sound design that they've they've contributed over the years, even from the 1977 film. And I think that that hits it right on the head with a Return of the Jedi. That scene, because of the sound of the lightsabers and whatnot, that creates that ambiance, and that's why people remember it so fondly. I was watching A New Hope today, and I was thinking to myself, I would love to know how they uh, composited and motion tracked the lightsaber duels back then. Yeah. Have you ever watched the unremastered versions? I have the unremastered VHS versions, and I think they're the best ones. Uh, but... It, it it is a drastic difference in visual quality. Yeah, I'll bet. But it, I just I prefer the un the un uh, remastered ones. I, a lot I, of people do. I think yeah. that some of the stuff in A New Hope was necessary, but uh, yeah, yeah, some the, of the stuff. But I, like the whole, why the hell does it matter if Han shot Greedo first? I don't care. <laughs> it matters to Han. It looked so much cooler <laughs> when he just killed that, him on the spot for no reason. That whole like, it was just so much better. Yeah, and they have that whole underground argument with Greedo, uh, not Greedo, but it Han was, shot first. Well, no, no, was it Boba Fett or the stormtroopers that killed Luke's aunt and uncle? Because the the stormtroopers don't have guns that can melt skin off bones. Mm. No, 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 nowhere was it ever mentioned that it was Boba Fett. But people ever. people assume because in Fan Empire fiction. in Empire Strikes Back, when Darth Vader's talking to the bounty hunters, he says no disintegration. Uh, no disintegration. Yeah, but that goes back to if you had read the books, that's his favorite form of of killing people is disintegration. That's yeah, why he that's says true. it. Where does blue milk come from? Blue cows. Blue cows. Blue cows of man. course. Or that chick with the weird hair in the movies. Oh, are we talking? Oh, we're talking about a new hope. I thought you were just being stupid. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh. <laughs> I thought that. And was with that, I, thank yeah. you for joining yeah. us for the second. All right, Gerald. Hey, thank you so much for hopping on. Thank you for hopping on, man. It's great being here with you guys. I just truly appreciate it, and I hope everyone out there just enjoys Star Wars for what it is. And 
don't take it too seriously and just have fun. Just have fun. It's a movie. Yeah, be yeah. entertained. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Gerald, we're going to have you back on or recap Star Wars with us after we see it. So we'll uh, get back to you on this. But, guys, we're going to take a short break here. We will be right back. All right. Thank you. Frank here from Super BS. Talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know. Join us weekly for a podcast about video games. Mostly. That's uh, to us people that can feel things, it, it, uh, it hurts.